Welcome to Season 5 of Retrain Your Brain. I'm Chartered Psychologist Dr. Audrey Tang, and it's not enough to know what to do. You have to feel strong enough to do it. I use practical positive psychology tools alongside coaching to create that healthy buffer to the dips of life's roller coaster so you can continue to flourish. And this season, we're going to look at some of those tools. One of the key rules of coaching, aside from the ethical ones, of course, is that the client always has the strength within themselves to get there. So much so that if you suddenly believe that your client lacks the ability to do it or perhaps that you're not the person to be able to elicit it with them, it's often better for both of you that you signpost them to someone else. It's also why coaching sessions tend to be booked in batches of four to six because this limits the potential for dependency. Whilst it's not necessarily the best for business, repeat custom from the same person unless it's over a different aspect because they're moving forward That is not your goal. Equipping clients with the tools to keep growing and flourish without you is absolutely essential. But what I wanted to remind you here is that if you're using any of my or any other coach's tools as a form of self-help, you must remember that the key to success is in that mindset that you have the strength within you to get there. Martin Seligman explains this wonderfully succinctly in his book, What You Can Change. Using examples from various fields, including mental health, weight loss and addiction, he notes that the deeper root of the drive to do something, the harder it is to change. But if it's not genetic, then change is possible. He gives the example of alcoholism. If you become an alcoholic and you crave more and more alcohol and become addicted to it. Yes, that addiction is clearly a progression of your dependency, but the dependency itself needn't have been inevitable. In other words, intervention at some point along that journey could have made a change. This is actually very heartening for us because even if we have built up behavior strategies from years upon years of trying to survive, if it is not genetically rooted, it may be difficult. However, it is not impossible to change. So here is the first really important tip to take away with you. Coaching or simply this podcast is here to remind you, unless it's genetic, your instinctual reaction is not inevitable. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to choose your response. However, I do appreciate, and all coaches do recognize, that sometimes your mindset is in such a dark place, it can feel impossible to even try. And at this point, I must be clear that while I always believe in your self-efficacy as a coach, I do understand that being able to offer you consistency of trust, nurturing, reliability, that's a really essential part of my support. To offer you responsibility for your actions is not about making you accept blame. And in order to look at responsibility, we actually start by establishing a safe space professionally and personally within you 
and within the sessions. It's also why I recommend that if you are ever seeking support for domestic abuse or gaslighting, it is actually essential you find a coach who understands that you as a person must be emotionally and mentally built up first before the self-efficacy work can begin. So, depending on the client, sometimes my work starts with building that sense of security in the self and in me and in our work together. Alternatively, sometimes it can just start with the practical techniques for choice and change. But today, I'm going to give you that positive psychology focus on building up your emotional and mental health. We're going to focus today on self-love and feeling positive emotions towards the self. I want you to think about being able to recognise having support from good friends, being aware of the healthy relationships you have, find meaning in what you do and who you are, and through that, that can begin to unlock and build your resilience and inner strength. Tools that so many people talk about, the three good things about me or three good things that happen today or positive affirmations, even a reminder of the things you love doing or gentle encouragement to try them again. All of that, I know, doesn't seem that related to the process of change. But actually, those little things, those little moments of emotional support are fundamental to finding the strength to do the work. And then when you're ready, we can look at the practical approaches. If you're ready now, of course, you can always listen to any of my other podcasts in different seasons. So here are some of the things that are really effective for my clients and that work for me as well. Practicing meditation or methods to calm the mind. Studies on meditation have shown positive neurological effects such as better sleep, and that in turn can reduce feelings of irritation, of stress, of not being able to eat so well, and that can encourage better focus, better relationships. It has a ripple effect on what we do and who we do it with. Finding healthy alternatives. And this is the ability to recognize any urges we might have to engage in unhealthy practices and either avoid the trigger or have an easy to reach substitute. This is the equivalent of having healthy snacks instead of crisps. For me, I use the affirmation, even if I can't control anything else, I can control my breathing rather than immediately reacting to what I perceive to be a criticism or a frustration. For me also, reading a book or perhaps listening to a podcast can help me surf the urge to check my work email at the weekend or scroll mindlessly on social media. And again, as there's no gene for anxiety, even though we may feel overwhelmed, this is often because we're letting habitual practices such as overthinking affect our ability to manage our problem. So being able to work with our anxiety can help. There is no anxiety gene. It's just habitual practices such as rumination, which is overthinking, which exacerbate the problem. Think of your emotion simply as the petrol warning light. It's come on to remind you that there's something to deal with. But if you ignore it, you'll definitely be in trouble. React too soon, you might waste time and money. You will have to deal with it sometime, though, if you want to keep going. But that emotion, that little trigger, is simply a warning. So these are some of the things that I do. I ask, I don't assume. 
rather than letting overthinking lead me to catastrophizing an event that may not actually be as bad as I am making it in my head, I ask someone about it if this is possible. Asking questions is a powerful tool. It is not accusatory. It is active and it's constructive and it's a great approach to building rapport. Through asking questions, you can learn, you can grow, you can amend, or you can even make amends if needed. Sometimes we may simply have misunderstood a situation or someone else has made that misunderstanding. I also seek advice. I ideally do this from someone who understands my situation and friends and family are not always the best sources because they may either be too close to the issue or they just simply want you to feel better, which means that their responses will be shaped by that intention. When I seek advice, I consider what I'm asking, what outcome I'm trying to achieve and who might be able to help me the best in that regard. And I try to find ways to channel anxious energy into positive energy. So for example, if anxiety over someone else's success is getting to aggravate me in terms of envy or jealousy, I actually try to use that to motivate me to work on my own success. So rather than thinking, oh, that person's done something and now I need to beat that or I'm not as good as they are, I actually take a step back and remind myself how lovely it is to actually share in their positive vibe that they're putting out, to share in that energy. And then I use that energy to go and work on my own life and life improvements. Perhaps spending time with people who make you feel great is a really important thing because then actually you have less time for the ones that drain you or by spending time with the people who energise you, when you do have to spend time with the exhausting ones, you actually cope with it better. Also, just working on being fit, for example, makes me feel less critical. I am focusing on fighting to be fitter rather than less fat. There is a difference. One of them just simply focuses on the goal of fitness. The other may even stop when you reach that point on the scale that you're happy with. So for me, fitness is my ultimate goal. Now, working with a coach can be helpful because you do always then have someone to recognize the blind spots. And as well as that, you have a person trained in numerous techniques, some of which may resonate better with you than others. But it is not essential to have a coach. What is essential, however, is that you understand that change, especially of deep rooted habits, is hard. It can sometimes be harder alone, but it is always, always possible. And that's all we've got time for. So for more, check out my YouTube channel, Dr. Audrey Tang, for my tried and tested positive psychology and coaching techniques. Go to my website, www.draudreyt.com, for blog articles, which are also packed with the practical tools I use. And if you want to book one-to-one -one coaching, expert comment, or a wellbeing presenter, email me on audrey at clickproductions.co.uk. Make time to invest in you.